Well, my name is Brajabi Haridas, and I, I, um, I was fortunate enough to see Srila Prabhupada once in 1976 in New York. And I uh, joined ISKCON when I was going to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And for 13 years, I did uh, service in the Detroit area. But actually, at that time, I was doing a lot of traveling, and I think I went to every state in the country except North Dakota, um, you know, telling people about Krishna. And then in 1989, I moved to uh, Brindavan, India, with at that time my fiance, now my wife. We've, um, and my wife has been the principal of uh, the school that we have there. It's an ICSC school, it's also a Gurukula. And I, as the introduction said, I've been involved in adult education and also in resolving conflicts, um, both inside and outside of ISKCON. So, I have a question for you. Mm, how many of you, now you actually have to participate, okay? You actually, if I ask you to raise your hand, you actually have to do it, okay? If, I mean, if you agree with the statement, not, you know, like, yeah. How many of you don't like feeling distressed? Okay, just check. Yes? You like it? You don't like it? Okay. And how many of you wish you felt more shelter of Lord Krishna? Okay, good. We're in the right room then. Okay, just want to make sure you know. Um, well, I really want to thank you for coming. Um, I know you could be so many other places, so I really appreciate that, that you've come here tonight. And you know, there's a saying that... Um, 80% of learning something is just showing up. So you're all, we're, we're all 80% uh, there. So I do ask uh, one thing of you this evening, and that is to not believe what I say. Okay? In other words, don't just, you know, blindly think, okay, well, you know, he lived in Vrindavan for 20 years, he must be right, kind of thing, you know, no. You know, compare it to your experience, compare it to your understanding of Krishna and your, your experiences in life, and see if it works for you. I can only say that these are, because uh, I probably, I made a mistake, I haven't introduced the topic yet. <laughs> the topic is, you know, um, dealing with difficulties that naturally arise in the course of life and how to deal with them. There, there has to be difficulties. Krishna, you know, he, it's just like, you know, when you, um, the other day, because I've been, I was away for a couple of years and my driver's license expired, so I had to, after 33 years of driving, I had to take the driving test again, the road test, and the, uh, the computerized, uh, in, uh, you know, a short answer, multiple choice test. So I did pass, uh, and at the end, you know, they, they stamp this piece of paper, and the person puts their signature, and then they mail you the, uh, the actual uh, license in the mail. So they stamped it, you know, okay, approved driver. So Krishna stamps this world, and he mentions, I believe it's the eighth chapter of the Gita, he says, Dukalayam Asashvatam. Right? So, we, you know, because most of us who have been speaking tonight, we're familiar with uh, Hindi and we're familiar with a little Sanskrit and we're from, you know, from, from India. So we know that this, this, the end of this word, alaya, right? Like if you go to a Bojan alaya, where are you going? Restaurant, right? Because it's, it's the alaya, it's the place that you get 
hog, you get food, right? And if you go to one of these Ayurvedic doctors who takes your, your um, pulse and etc., and he's often sometimes called Oshodalaya, right? And my, sans- my, my pronunciation is terrible. But uh, it's the alaya that you get medicine. So Krishna calls this place Dukalaya. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a place that you get misery. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he certifies it. So there's no doubt that, you know, life has its ups and downs. Uh, everyone, everyone experiences it. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about how to deal with the down part. And especially looking at it through the lens through, you know, of, of Krishna's teachings. And also through the lens of our own experiences. Okay? <clears throat> um, I guess, you know, for the last at least 20 years, I've been a little bit in the helping profession. So I've seen, I've talked to so many people, mainly devotees, and uh, talked about, you know, their difficulties that they've gone through and how they've dealt with them. So this seminar is based uh, to a large extent on those experiences that I've had uh, talking with, with others and seeing how they've dealt, and also my own experiences. So the first question, or, and probably now, Rupa if I walk around, is this going to, I shouldn't even worry about it? Okay, because I like to walk around. Even though it's actually, you know, I'm getting older and it's hard to see the, uh, the notes, actually. But that's all right. <laughs> Maybe I should, who was the one who said my son should carry a light and walk around with me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's life. Um, but I'd say the, you know, perhaps the essential question of this entire what's left, an hour and a half, uh, that we're going to talk about is when, you know, really, when we get down to the essence, when we really dig, dig deep into, our, into the soul, what or who do we take shelter of? Right? There's, there's some difficulty, sometimes they're small, sometimes, a few times in life they're big. And where do we seek our solace? Where do we find shelter? Where, where, where is our ultimate resting place? Now, people, you know, we, we, people naturally do um, find it in different places. What are some places, we're not talking about Krishna now, besides Krishna, what are some, what are some things that we take shelter of, uh, especially when the going gets tough? Intoxication. Yes, intoxication. Very good, right? It could be drinking. It could be drugs. Very good. What else? Family, friends, yes, right? Yeah, we seek advice or we just seek someone to talk to. Good. What else? Senior devotees, if we're, yes, in a devotional setting, yes? TV, yeah. You, sometimes you just want to mode out, right? You just kind of, you know, the one-eyed guru, right? And just, uh, right, right? Is it sleep, yes. Right? Right, isn't it? Sometimes we just want to kind of do, what is it like, the ostrich program? You put your head in the, uh, <laughs> you're being cha- the ostrich is being chased by a bigger animal and he puts his head in the sand and, you know, not being chased anymore. 
Food? Yes, <coughs> definitely. We, uh, we gorge ourselves, yes. Um, in, in, I was in Australia a little while ago. In, um, in Australia, they often call it woofing. You know how you, they, you know, like your mother said, don't woof down your food, you know, if you eat too quickly. So <coughs> somebody said, let's go to such and such restaurant and go woofing. I mean, it's not a very, it's kind of a grossly, but yes, you take shelter of food. Okay. I'm thinking of one last one that we haven't gotten yet. What? Reading? Okay. Yes. The one last thing I was thinking of is money. We, uh, I know uh, people who, the first thing, they, they go online and they check their accounts. And they think, okay, well, I still have such and such amount in my bank. <sighs> Not so bad. <laughs> so, um, these things are there. And some of the ones that, that people mentioned, you know, we could say are, are kind of positive things, right? Taking shelter of friends, uh, family, senior devotees. So they're not all, you know, they, they, there was a, what we heard just now was a spectrum, right? From, you know, things that are really detrimental to us in every sense of the word to things that, you know, aren't, you know, are, are, are you know, more in the realm of accept, acceptability. Um, For those of us who, yeah, I guess I'm taking, I'm, I'll, I'll go by the assumption that all of us in this room are theists. Now, if you're not, that's okay. Um, more than welcome <laughs> to stay. But, it, but at least for the, uh, for the remainder of this, this uh, hour and a half, we'll say that we, we theoretically accept that there is a Supreme Lord. And I would say probably for almost everyone in the room, we accept that Krishna is, is that Supreme Lord. So the question is, hmm, do we take shelter of Krishna? Is Krishna, when we look at our own lives and we look at the difficulties, how deeply do we actually seek shelter in Krishna? Is it kind of a superficial thing? Is it kind of a you know, lip service? Or is it really uh, a very deep internal dependence? And I think we all have to answer that individually. It's different for all of us. Um, because the key is that internal condition of the heart. Because the externals, we're going to talk about the externals in a couple of minutes, they can be going in all different places. Right? But the key is, uh, is our internal consciousness. So what I'd like to do now is everyone think about a uh, difficult time in your life. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you have had gone through a difficult time in your life, and then when you looked back at it a week later, a month later, a year later, and you said, oh, that was Krishna's mercy, that was God's mercy. How many of you have had an experience like that in your life? Okay. So think about that. And first, think about the, as you were going through it. Try to remember anything, the feeling you know, maybe the smells or the sights or the sounds. You know, try to really put yourself in that situation. And it sounds like, at least those that raised their hands, we didn't take full shelter of Krishna at first. Right? So try to remember, you know, especially the emotions you were feeling, um, the situation and, and everything about that. So take a few seconds to think. I'll tell you about one of mine. Uh, just to get the ball rolling here. 
This happened in October of 2008. So that's been about a year and a half. So uh, the ISKCON devotees, how many of you have heard of the Muffetlal company? Right? So uh, Rishigesh Muffetlal is a member of ISKCON. He's a very, very nice devotee. His initiated name is Krishna Chandra. Very, very nice person. So um, with his, uh, working with his father, they opened up a hospital in uh, the north part of Bombay in Mira Road. Right? For those, there's a few people here from Bombay, so you know where Mira Road is. So um, I, I went there for a checkup. And I must say, I was kind of walking in, you know, like we were at, at your house the other day and we had that person imitate someone strutting, right? I kind of thought, you know, I'm really in good health. I was a basketball coach. I used to play with the boys, you know, basketball every single day for three years, you know, and I could still run with them and, you know, beat them one-on-one and I'm really in good health. So I was thinking, you know, okay, well, it's just a good thing. Um, uh, 49 at the time, so good to get a, get a checkup. So I thought I was just going to, because I've had checkups there before, and I thought I was just going to breeze through it, and I'd, you know, go back to uh, the temple in Juhu that evening. And So I was breezing through the exams uh, until, and I, you know, can still very much remember the room and the people in the room, there was two, two doctors, two devotee doctors. And it was time for them to put the stethoscope, you know, to the different parts. Uh, and I remember very clearly, he put the stethoscope right here. Right? Where's, where's that? This is the left side of my body. Yes, the heart. And he starts going. And he's trying not to show shock, but it was obvious. He's like, <clears throat> you know, and then he, then he gives a stethoscope to the other doctor, and I go, hmm. um, we have to run some tests. <laughs> so, right? so uh, the, the echocardiogram, for those familiar with that. Uh, and it so happened that I have uh, uh, what they call MVP, and it's not most valuable player. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> it's called a mitral valve prolapse, where one of your, basically where one of your valves is not working properly. And when it gets very severe, which is my case where blood goes from one um, chamber back to the chamber from whence it just came, then you, it, almost inevitably it requires a, an operation. So I still remember when they told me that. And, um, and then, you know, I'm, so I'm trying to remember the emotions that I went through. It's not that I immediately said, oh, Krishna, Thank you so much. What mercy. No, you know, I think um, the first thing, well, how many of you have heard of uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross? Yeah, she's, no, that's, that's, that's her sister, Betsy. Yeah, <laughs> who lived 200 years earlier. Uh, Kubler, this is a, a lady um, from uh, Europe originally, but lived in America. And she wrote kind of the, um, seminal books on dying because yeah, she worked a lot in, and she talked about five different stages that people go through in grief and especially in dying but it certainly can be applied to a lot of the difficulties we go through um, she says the first stage you usually go through is denial and boy I was in big denial I was like okay I need a second opinion <laughs> you know where's the next hospital I should go check this can't be right I mean I play basketball every day <laughs> um, 
And then sometimes she, she says people go through anger. Why is this happening to me? And often in an in existential sense, they get angry at God. Right? I don't deserve this kind of thing. Then, then often people go through a stage of bargaining. Well, look, you know, if there is a God, I'll make you a deal. You know, I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll you know, give a donation for the new temple. I'll do this or that. But just, you know, you know I'll, scr- you scratch, I'll scratch your back and you scratch mine kind of thing. Let, let's make a deal here. Or with a doctor or, you know, I'll give up smoking. Right. Um, and often people go into a stage of depression where, you know, they really don't care anymore. And she says, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross said, not everyone, certainly only a few people, but the, the successful people, they come to the fifth stage, which is one of acceptance. And where they find that, you know, they, in, of course, in a spiritual sense, one, uh, depending on the mercy of the Lord, um, that she finds that when they, if they can reach that stage, they actually uh, uh, are serene, they're, they're peaceful. And if we're talking about dying, they can leave this world in a... In a in a peaceful state of mind. But anyway, in my story, um, I certainly wasn't uh, just accepting at first. And, and, you know, it took me a while to really, you know, think about Krishna, and, you know, months probably, and, and to, you know, kind of come to grips. I mean, and, and of course, you know, by the way, this is not, it's the, the mortality rate on the operation for a mitral valve uh, reconstruction is, is less than 1% America, so it's not like, you know, it's open heart surgery, but it's not like the end of the world, so I shouldn't. <laughs> but still, for me, who I've never had really a health issue in my life, it was quite an experience. And, um, and I, I didn't pass it with, with uh, flying colors in, in a Krishna conscious sense. So what I'd like to do now, and I know it's not something we usually do in a temple room setting, it's more, you know, usually I'm, I have a classroom and uh, and all that. But I'd like to uh, everyone to get into groups of two, or if that doesn't work, then groups of three. And if you just tell the other person, uh, you know, some details about the situation that you were in that was very difficult in your life. Okay, so can you do that now? Just find someone? Or, and if you, you know, make groups, go ahead. Okay, Hare Krishna. I hope everyone is uh, sufficiently depressed about all the terrible things that has happened in all of our lives. Anyone like to share what, uh, what you shared with your group and what your initial reactions were? Yes, Prabhu, why don't we wait for the microphone? Right here, this gentleman in this sport jacket. Jai. Kala Chanji wants to hear what you have to say. The challenges that we discussed were mostly related to the professional life, where either it should be boss not responding the way it should be, or somebody who is you feel as less deserving, getting ahead of you.
Krishna's grace or Krishna's uh, divine uh, leela, it comes much, much later uh, when uh, you have mellowed down part of it a little bit more. But, well, I'm sure you must be working us towards the fact that you should start thinking of that right in the beginning. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I, although it's hard for me to talk about it because I don't do it, but yes, <laughs> that is, you got it. We are, we're certainly going in that direction. Yeah, often I think in those situations we have what they call sometimes the fight or flight reaction. Either we flight, as Prabhu said, we may take shelter of intoxication or sleep or this or that, or we want to, you know, we're going to get revenge. You know, that guy got promoted before me. Just, he doesn't know what I can do to him you know, or something along those lines. So, Thank you very much for sharing that. Anyone else like to share? So in the initial days when I met devotees and I wanted to be like them, then I also had a, a friend circle and then I tried to balance between the two. Like I'll maintain my friendship also and I'll also try to be a devotee. So I tried balancing, balancing and then one boat was going in this direction and second went in that direction and eventually like I'm uh-huh. so like, I try to balance, but in the end, I realize no, I'm just making it. Very nice. <laughs> okay, so now let's go to the next step. Um, when life does seem a little out of control, when we are going through some difficulty, the tendency is that we, we you know, as, as devotees or as people who believe in God, we want his help. That's natural, right? Uh, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Chatur Vidha Bhajante Mam Jana Sukriti Norjuna Arto Jigyasar Artarti Gyani Cha Bharatarsava That he says, four kinds of people take shelter of me who aren't yet pure devotees. And uh, two of them were probably those who are in need of wealth, you know, those who are distressed, those who are inquisitive. And the last one is in a different category, those who are seeking knowledge. But, you know, distress and a need of wealth, you know, these are common things that people approach, uh, approach God for. But as, since we're talking here amongst devotees and we have a certain goal in our life, which is more than just considering Krishna our order supplier, because right? that's what most people in the world Let's face it, they go to a temple, they go to a mosque, they go to a church, and they have their shopping list. I mean, and this, and this is not making fun, because you know, we probably, many of us do it also. You know, we, you know, we say, my dear Lord, you know, please, uh, you know, I would like this, I need this, I need this. You know, even, uh, you know, even some of the songs, uh, you know that song, Swami Jai Jagadisha Hari. You know that song? So there have even been some people who have written English lyrics to it. Give my wife a new sari and the HD color TV. And what about me? Give me a house by the sea. Swami Jai Jagadisha Hari. So, so you know, we do that, right? And uh, even if you're from my generation, you might even remember one singer, unfortunately she passed away, Janice Joplin, and she wrote a song kind of making fun of this, you know, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, she writes, and et cetera, et cetera. But we do that, or even when we're not material things, we, we want 
Krishna somehow to change our material circumstances. We think if our material circumstances change, then I'll be happy. Right? I may be thinking, if, my, if I, I haven't had the operation yet, by the way, if I get my mitral valve fixed, subtique, then everything will be fine. Now, is that realistic? No, <laughs> right. But, you know, we do think that if, if, if we just get a new boss, that'll be fine. If I just get that raise, right? if I just get that new, if I just get an iPad, Right? Uh, those who are laughing probably have one already. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, then because I'm sure people who own um, airplane uh, airlines are thinking like that. God, if we just if this if the ash would just stop creating such havoc, then everything will be fine. So, <laughs> yes. Well, they won one last night, so you know. <laughs> Count your blessings. <laughs> um, so, one suggestion is that we develop a mood of prayer to the Lord, but um, we try to relinquish our illusory, you have to listen to these words a little carefully, relinquish our illusory control over the circumstances and leave those circumstances in the hands of the Lord um, and give up the illusion that just by changing the material circumstances I'll be happy because often what Krishna is doing to us because we're trying to be his devotee he's trying to he wants something from us other than those prayers to change the material circumstances. He's trying to extract some purification, some softening of the heart, some increase of our devotion. Um, because, and then the result of that, if we can come to that understanding, is internal peace, internal happiness, no matter what the situation is. Right? As we were talking about last night, we all have our karma, and we all have, you know, who knows what's going to happen to us next kind of thing. And we don't have complete control over that. We may have some, but we don't have complete control over everything that happens in our lives. But as we were saying last night, by our reaction to what happens, we can be peaceful even in, you know, uh, how many times uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, the word shanti is mentioned nine times. What does the word shanti mean? Where was Krishna speaking this? He's talking about peace on the battlefield. Right? Seven times he mentions the word ahimsa. What does the word ahimsa mean? On the battlefield. <laughs> you know, what's Krishna? I mean, you know, well, he's, talking about, he's talking about peace and nonviolence, and he's speaking to a chatriya. And he's telling him, you know, fight. Utishtita, you know, get up. Do your duty. Right? So he's showing, he's, he, what to speak of us, he's showing that Arjuna, even as he's engaging in his dharma, on the battlefield can be peaceful. So 
So if, if, if Arjuna can be peaceful, even as, as he's doing, you know, he's facing all those Kauravas and, you know, the, uh, those, the 11 Aukshohini divisions and all those things we read about in the Mahabharata. And if he can remain peaceful, then there's good, you know, maybe we can also. Right? <clears throat> so, um, and therefore we should beware, be beware of the, how to word this, uh, of discontentment in our heart. And therefore throwing the blame on the external circumstances. Okay? Because discontentment is actually an internal state or contentment, discontentment or contentment, is an internal state that, and this is hard to swallow, I, I know in my life also, that is not dependent on the external circumstances. Yes? A fish out of water will not be happy with anything you give him unless he gets back in the water. Right. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's a very simple example that Srila Prabhupada would give sometimes, right? That you can give a fish, you know, all kind, you know, um, an iPad, and it's not going to help the fish. The only thing he wants if he's out of the water is to go back in the water. So since, if, since our ultimate identity is a soul, is not just this body, it's a soul, and our ultimate identity is in relationship to Krishna, then our happiness is, is going to be, in the ultimate sense, only when we connect with Krishna. And not by adjusting. Ex- I mean, I'm sure uh, um, we probably all had the experience that you get something that you think is going to give you happiness, and uh, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, uh, oh, I get the Sanskrit a little wrong. But you, you get the opposite. Right? You get a brand new car and you think that's going to be, you've been, you've been you know, reading uh, consumer reports for the last six months, right? And, and checking out and you, 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 you went to the dealership and you got a really good deal and then you know, somebody keys your car or something like that, right? Do they do that in Texas? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm from New York. They do that in New York. Um, or, you know, you get that iPad and after two weeks it doesn't work. Or worse, <laughs> someone gets the later edition by HP and it has a U- USB connection and your iPad doesn't. And, you know, oh, geez, you know, I should have gotten that instead of this. So, so, so many things that we, you know, external things. They're not necessarily bad because we can use anything in Krishna's service. But to think that they're the ultimate source of happiness, that's not going to bring us happiness. That's the point. It's not going to bring us satisfaction. So, um, better that we see discontentment as Krishna calling us closer to him. Should I repeat that? Better we see any discontentment in our heart as Krishna uh, calling us closer to him. It's hard to read my notes here. Um, Because we tend to blame everything that's out there, and when we do that, we miss the entire lesson. We miss the point. Okay? 
So we have to, or not, not we have to, like, you know, there's a gun to our head, but if we want to be happy, we should cons- uh, try to abandon the notion that our circumstances must change for us to be happy, but rather our consciousness should change. So any questions on that, about external circle or comments, or your own realizations? Yes? Would you like to, would you mind if we put, you wait for the mic, because people are uh, listening on the internet and on their iPads. How, how do you make that transition that if you're in discomfort, I mean, how do you change the mindset that you're in discomfort because Krishna's trying to call you closer to him? Mm-hmm. I mean, rationally, how do you explain that? Oh, you know, okay, now you just asked two different questions. It sounded like to me. Rationally or, or emotionally? Which one or both? Or uh, I shouldn't have said both. <laughs> makes it harder to answer. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't, should I not do that? That's okay. okay. How about if I <laughs> don't do that? Right? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I would hope that what I just spent the last ten minutes or so on had some rationality to it. <laughs> that uh, because I think we have that experience in our life that that's. Uh, that we think sometimes that by changing you know, an external circumstance, we'll be happy. Um, but your question was specifically, how do we know it's Krishna calling us? Well, um, it does require us to, have, uh, to be conscious of Krishna. You know, we actually have an ongoing relationship. Uh, Ishwara Sarvabhutanam. Riddesha, Rid means heart, right? Riddesha Arjuna Tishtati, that Krishna says in the Gita that he's always in our heart, you know, 24-7. There's no time when he's not with us, that, you know, he, you know, time, he take, takes a break to watch the Spurs play the Mavericks or something like that. You know, he, he's always there, um, just waiting for us to turn to him. So, um, in the rational sense, by studying the Bhagavad Gita and hear, you know, hearing through sadhu sangha and things like that, we, we come by hearing, you know, what kind of, it says that whatever goes in here, you know, comes out here and is registered here. Right? So, you know, so um, hearing is an important uh, matter in becoming more conscious of, of something. Um, let's see, what else? Yeah, go ahead, please. I'm trying to, uh, I mean, for example, my personal first reaction is always one of anger or whining mm-hmm. instead of, oh, Krishna's calling me closer to him. Right. So how do you make that transition? Is, uh, okay, and just give me a second to think about that because I, I, uh, that's, that's the essence of, that's a, such a wonderful question. Because I think we, you know, we probably all have that experience. What comes to my mind immediately is that what we talked about last night about that pause and that being thoughtful. If we look at it from the viewpoint that Krishna talks about in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, about the three modes of material nature, 
the uh, the uh, modes of passion, ignorance, they cloud our consciousness. And when things like our life is very, very busy, it's, it is really difficult to be contemplative. It's really bi- difficult to take a step back and think, oh, because at first it is a rational thought process. You know, because we're not pure uh, lovers of God at this point where we just automatically think of Krishna 24-7. So it does have to be filtered through our, uh, our intelligence. You know? And so therefore we have to um, have some information to feed the intelligence. And that, that goes back to what I was talking about, about hearing about Krishna and associating with people who are, are in touch with Krishna so that we say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I should probably, you know, we, we go through a conscious process. Uh, I'm angry right now. That's probably not the best reaction. What would be a better reaction? And I'm, so go through that kind of rational step-by-step process. And sometimes it helps to be with other people. You know, I, I, I've, as I mentioned earlier, I'm uh, uh, a little bit trained in the helping profession. And one of the things that I think most of us are aware of in the helping profession, they teach you to do empathic listening or active listening, um, you know, reflective, you know, reflecting to a person what they're saying. And one of the, from the Bhagavad Gita's point of view, one of the wonderful things about that is it helps the person you're talking to uh, become more influenced by sattva guna. Right? A person says, you know, oh, I'm really angry, you know, uh, um... I was supposed to do the RT last night and then so-and-so just stepped in and, you know, said, no, 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 I'm doing it. You know, uh, I was, you know, I'm just passing through and I want to be able to do it. And, you know, I was really upset. And the person says, oh, so it sounds like, you know, you were really, you know, this really kind of angered you that, you know, the other person did this when you were supposed to do it. And then they say, yeah. And then often the person slowly starts becoming more rational instead of emotional. They said, yeah, well, you know, I guess I should appreciate that he was eager to serve the Lord, but... You know, it's just that I had my mind set on it. And then after some more reflective listening, suddenly I said, well, I guess I should accept this as Krishna's mercy. And, you know, it kind of goes from the emotional level to the rational thought process. So I think there's probably a number of ways to do that, and it may work differently for different people. Uh, some of us can just do it on our own, just by the strength of our you know, contemplation and thoughtfulness. And others may be helped by others, um, but I think I think that's an essential point. Is it, it does have to go filtered through our intelligence eventually, just like riding a bicycle. Anyone? How many? If you go, try to remember the first time you learned to ride a bicycle. Okay, can you go back that far? All right. And I remember for me, I still remember. You know, I was so conscious of everything. Okay, left, then right foot. The brake is here. Okay, watch out for that little pebble, right? And I was so, had to, right? And now, you know, you don't even think about it, right? Or driving a car. A matter of fact, the one thing I, I got points taken off for uh, when I did the exam yesterday was I didn't look enough. Because apparently, like, when you do these exams, you're supposed to, like, look everywhere, you know, like a hundred times, you know, and because I've been driving for 33 years, you know, I, you know, I looked a little bit, but I didn't, you know, do that. And so I got, you know, two points off for, you know, not looking or so. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> um, 
So at first, you know, I think it's just like a muscle. You know, you exercise it and we get better at it. Is that okay? Okay. Other points? Yes, bro. Yes. So there's, there's situations where, if you can understand, I understand that as devotees, this Krishna arrangement trying to get closer to him, we understand that we try to work towards that. But meanwhile, uh, the Krishna still exists. Yes. Ah, that's the last. That's what we're going to cover in the last uh, 20 minutes. So uh, I'll give you a post-dated check on that. Okay. <laughs> yes, we're going to cover what do you do practically? Because you know, if please. You know, I know we're not supposed to come with a shopping list, but if Krishna is your sakha, your friend, right. why wouldn't you come and unburden and say, "These are the things on my mind. Help me." No, that's that's perfectly fine. Those things could be a shopping list. I mean, it's not housewives necessary, but you know, whatever they are. Right. No, it, it, we're to, actually, that's also, we're just about to speak about that, but certainly you're right. He's a person, and he understands. Yes. And very good. Excellent. Thank you for that. That's a good segue into the next point. So thank you. Um, and it also ties in with what uh, your wife just said. We should, we, there's a process in, we call sadhana bhakti, right? It's, a, it's a, the practices of Krishna consciousness. And one of them we were just talking about is hearing, another one is praying. And the, the, one of the keys in praying, and this ties in exactly with what you're just saying, is to focus more on Krishna than the problem. Now that's, not so easy, right? Um, remember what the Shastra says, I think in one of our other seminars, I can't remember which one or one of the Sunday class, but especially we can think of two qualities of Krishna. That Krishna is all-powerful. You know, one time somebody, somebody tried to, um, excuse me, trick Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada was very sharp had such a sharp intelligence, so witty. So someone said to him, um, can Krishna create something so heavy that he can't lift it? He's trying to checkmate Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said, yes. He said, and then Balaram will lift it. His, you know, Krishna's brother, Balaram. And the person was like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Well, I, I totally off the subject. So, what someone once asked him is, "He, uh, how many of you, have been, any of you, been to New Brindavan? Yes. You know, it's uh, there's, it's, it's, it's got its ups and downs, <laughs> literally. So, someone said, "Is the Swamiji? Is the Earth flat?" Robin said, "Everywhere I walk, except New Brindavan." <laughs> Or another one, uh, just one last one, just to see. Somebody said, so the guru is supposed to know everything? And Prabhupada says very sternly, yes. So then the person said, how many windows in the Empire State Building? At that time, that was the biggest building in the world. And Prabhupada's answer was, how much water is there in a mirage? And then the person just kind of, you know, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know. It was quite a uh, good answer. Mm. So, Krishna is all-powerful and he's all-loving. And especially he's inclined 
to his devotees. You see, he's, he's tree banga, and he's actually leaning towards Srimati Radharani, his greatest devotee. So Krishna, Prabhupada even once said, he said, he went like this, and he said, Krishna is so inclined to his devotee, and he's leaning over to Srimati Radharani. So what a combination. If somebody is all-powerful, but not all-loving, big problem, right? We wouldn't want to hang out with that kind of person because, you know, if they were bipolar or, you know, you know, uh, you know we could, it could be some serious repercussions. And similarly, if somebody is uh, all-loving but not all-powerful, well, a nice person to be with, but they can't really do much for us. Right? So we think of these two qualities as we're meditating upon Krishna. Then we can turn to the problem that we may be experiencing. You know, these, the situation that we're in. Turn to our friend, as you're saying. Right? Go ahead. Okay, right. Yes, very good. Um, then we can, so, then we turn to Krishna and say, you know, my Lord, I'm going through this situation. Uh, and then we declare our full surrender to Krishna and dependence upon him. So although there may be some fear in our heart, right? And we may still feel some, not that full connection, may even feel at times cut off uh, from Krishna's mercy. This is a, what we're suggesting here is a proactive, willful um, endeavor, right? To, in, in that way to, 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 you know, in a, you know, you understand what I'm saying? You know, to almost not, not force ourselves, that's, a, that's not the word I want to say, but to get the spiritual shakti, the strength to, to um, go beyond the sometimes nagging doubts and to really say, my dear Lord, uh, I, from this day forward, I'm yours. Hmm? Um, and to trust in his caring and... Um, uh, unfailing affection that Krishna has for his servants. Okay? Um, an example is Arjuna in the 15th chapter of the first canto. He, uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the uh, Brahmastra, I think I may have mentioned this in another class, was being sent by, who, was, who sent the Brahmastra to kill Arjuna? Ashvatama. And it's, it's quite an amazing um, thing because the, the, this Brahmastra, this very lethal weapon is coming his way. And Krishna, Arjuna first offers six or seven prayers to the Lord. You know, I would have just said, Ah, Krishna, help me, give me a, do something. <laughs> but before he did that, he actually offered six or seven prayers to the Lord. Beautiful prayers. They're, they're in, the, in the Bhagavatam. And then he turned, and then he said, "My Krishna, you know, by the way, could, could you, could you, could you, could you help me out here?" So, um, and and Krishna says that in Bhagavad Gita, "Tasmat sarveshu kaleshu, mam anusmara yudyacha." He says, "Mam means what? Me or yes?" And anusmara, remembering, and yudya means to fight, right? Because that was Arjuna's job, right? So in, for, for you, it may be mam anusmara it, right? <laughs> or, uh, 
or whatever our, our individual you know, dharma is. But he says, first he says anusmara, then he tells him to do his duty. Hmm? That's significant. So, so, here's a, so here's something, you know, we're starting to go towards the practical, with 45 minutes left, that we, we think of Krishna first, we remember his strength and his loving uh, kindness, then we go about and deal with these situations in life, instead of the other way around. Okay? Hmm. And doing this, by the way, is not an overnight process. It's a slow and steady, because, uh, you know, don't worry, there's enough difficulties that we go through life, you don't have to worry, if, you know, you don't have to, like, seek them out. Um, they come of their own accord. Uh, but it is, it's a gradual process of, of learning to take, to trust Krishna, to take more, it's, it's almost like any relationship you have in this world, right? Like, for example, in the Vedic uh, traditional system of marriage, right? The, I mean, right, in the, in the actual traditional system, the, you, the husband and wife see each other for the first time at the marriage ceremony, isn't it? Right? I, they lift the, you know, the whole thing and see who, who it is. And, okay. <laughs> and the idea is that they'll gradually fall in love with one another. Right? That it, it'll be a process. It's not a uh, one-time event, but by, by, you know, by proper relationships and serving one another and caring for each other, that the, the, the love and affection grows. So, so our relationship with Krishna, it's not, it's not in, like in the IT, a binary thing, either you know, off or on. Rather, there's, there's a very clear step-by-step process uh, and a gradual process that, that endears us more and more to Krishna. So we're asked to have faith in Krishna. We're asked to uh, trust that we're, never, we're neither alone, we're neither abandoned, we're neither forgotten. Hmm? And that kind of faith, as I said, is a willful, intentional, proactive choice of our willpower. Hmm? So we're, it's suggested that we walk by faith and not just by sight. Right? Mostly we walk by, by sight, right? Um, uh, but we're asked to walk also through faith. Um, because often, as, as we just, remember that first question, one of the first questions I asked was how many of you have had an experience that when you were going through it, it seemed very difficult, and why is this happening to me? And then with 2020 hindsight, you looked back and you said, oh, that was, that was Krishna's mercy. That was God's mercy. So often things are happening to us that are beyond our purview. And we're asked to have faith that Krishna knows and he has all power and he loves us. And I'm sure if we went around the room, we could all have our stories. I guess I'll just tell my story um, about that and see, and you can all relate to it. But I, I, um, uh, about 22 years ago, I guess, I was, I was a brahmachari for about 11 years. And then I was thinking about getting married and I was introduced to this one, uh, devotee woman. And we were, you know, um, just the very beginning stage of getting engaged. 
And she got cold feet, and she said, "Sorry, Charlie." <laughs> and she, you know, she she said, "No, nah, it's okay." And she kind of uh, walked away from the uh, relationship. I mean, before it really had developed, but still, I was like, "Oh, you know, well, you know, I was really, you know, oh, jeez." Maybe my nose is too big, or you know, you know, you know. I was like, oh, nobody loves me, and you know, and I really kind of felt uh, down in the dumps. You know, why, Krishna? Why, you know, what did I do to you <laughs> to deserve this, right? Um, and I, you know, for some time, it was, it was, uh, it was a, uh, it was a difficult experience, right? Then, you know, a year later, I was introduced to the, the woman that I married, an underbrindavaneshwari, uh, Devi Dasi, who. Some of you know, and she's a very wonderful person and uh, a very good devotee. And uh, we have a very nice relationship, and, and we've done a lot of service. For, well, we've tried to do a lot of service for Srila Prabhupada together. So now looking back, I think, oh, that was Krishna's mercy. But when I was going through it, it was like, oh, you know, it was, it was a very difficult, it was a very different situation. Hmm. So to... Um, uh, but we do have that experience that often should give us some you know, faith that yes, Krishna is on our side, he is working for us, although we may not uh, always see it at that time. So I'm going to go on to another topic, but any questions or comments? Yes, Prabhu? There's two more topics, just to let you know. Quick comment, just about, just continuing on the story about Arjuna with the Brahmastra. Yes. Um, Krishna reminds him at that point that you can also release your Brahmastra to come to that. Uh, and then in the Bhagavad Gita, the same point is made that, you know, so I am actually giving you the remembrance by which you can dispel your clouded intelligence. Mm. So yes, um, just reinforcing the point that you made about remembering Krishna actually helps us remember that we are not the body, we are the soul, and kind of actually work on the problem in a more uh, rational way. Nice. Thank you. Have you noticed that Krishna has a different watch than we have? Yeah, right? We may have a Timex or a Rolex or, you know, Omega or whatever. And, you know, it doesn't seem that he has a uh, he, he has a different timekeeping because timing is a big factor in anxiety and in in terms of dealing with difficulties, right? Especially if we're saying, "Okay, Krishna, I'm dependent upon you." It's been three days. You know, I mean, how much longer? You know, this is the last straw. You know, but we were we're not supposed to have. We never Krishna never said that there was a last straw, right? He said that we should have faith in him. Um, you know, there's that, uh, there's that joke that, uh, is it? The, the devotee goes up to God and says, my dear Lord, you know, what is $50 million to you? And the Lord says, it's just, you know, a little pocket change. And then the, Lord, so the devotee says, my dear Lord, what is eternity to you? And he says, it's just a second. So then the devotee says, my dear Lord, can you spare some change? Right. And then the Lord says, yes, just one second. Right. So, so Krishna's watch 
is uh, is sometimes diff is sometimes different than ours, and it is sometimes you know we're trying to get a sign from the Lord or some direction, and and it's hard sometimes to remain patient, um, because timing is it, time is a uh, is a factor in concern. So now let's turn to practical things. Okay, so. What do we practically do in difficult times? Um, we've already talked about that. First, we try to commit our will to Krishna and desire to surrender to his um, merciful um, grace, <clears throat> his desire. Um, but I will suggest five things that we can consider before we take some action, because we do have to deal with the practical situation. Right? We do have to deal with the fact that we didn't get the raise that we deserved, or that we have to deal with a health issue, or that we have to uh, improve a relationship, or you know, whatever difficulties that we're going through. First thing I'd suggest is we consider our motives. Okay? Um, what is behind my desire to act in a certain way? What motivates me to act instead of to wait? Um, what's, what's compelling me to act? What pushes me to change the circumstances from what they currently are? Is Krishna's purpose behind the desire to act? What is that purpose? Am I willing to be Krishna's with no strings attached? Okay, so we look at our motives. What's why do I want to act? Number two, we, look, we, we talked about the word contentment, right, or sati- inner satisfaction. So is my attempt um, to draw strength and stability from Krishna, or is my attempt to seek contentment in material, external circumstances? A question that we may ask ourselves. Will I accept as Krishna's mercy what happens as a result of the action? Or is my well-being wrapped up in the outcome of my circumstances? Am I willing to do what I think is correct regardless of the outcome? Or if the result is a disaster, will I blame Krishna? Hmm? So these are, these are uh, you know, some more contemplative questions that we can ask ourselves before we act. Hmm? Will we accept things as Krishna's mercy? Right? You ever have the experience, you're going through some difficulty, you know, it's, it's that initial part where you're still kind of very upset, and then another devotee comes along and says, Prabhu, it's Krishna's mercy. And you feel like saying, I'll give you some of Krishna's mercy, <laughs> right? Right, because you know, it, it, so we have to, by the way, be careful about that. Using the Krishna's mercy line, you have to be careful that the person's ready for that. Uh, <clears throat> did I tell this story about the the? I know most of, probably many of you know this, but the story that's there in, in I think it's a, it's a Hindi story originally about the uh, the king and the minister and Krishna's mercy. Did I tell that the other day? I told it. Yes. When? In class, okay, so most of us weren't there. Okay, so I'll tell it briefly. But, um, you know, the king, uh, he lost his finger in an accident. Right? How many, raise your hand if you know this story. 
Okay, so not everyone. Good. So I'll make it brief, so it's not painful for those who know it. Uh, so the minister said, it's Krishna's mercy. <laughs> and the king reacted in kind by saying, I'll give you some of Krishna's mercy. And he took him and he put him in jail. Right? And then the king did what kings do in those days, and he went off into distant countries to do some conquering. And he came upon some Kali worshippers who were in the... Uh, it was time to do a human sacrifice. So they caught, they captured the king. They were going to sacrifice him to Kali. Uh, and just as they were, they found out that he was missing a finger. And they said, oh, no, 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 Nechai, we can't, we can't uh, sacrifice you know, an imperfect body like this. So they, they, they let him go. So the king went back to his kingdom and he went to his minister, got him out of jail and he said, you know, you're right. It was Krishna's mercy. Thank you. You're right. I'm sorry. But I have a question for you. You were in jail, terrible food, terrible accommodations, awful situation with all these common criminals. And how was that Krishna's mercy? And the minister replied, Maharaj, I always travel with you on these excursions, and I have ten fingers. So that was Krishna's mercy. So both of them, perhaps, as they were going through, one in jail and one uh, weren't, weren't thinking much about, you know, but as they looked back in hindsight, they saw that it was Krishna's mercy. So the first thing is motives, and the second thing was contentment. Okay. Number three, um, prayer. It's different to talk about prayer, to think about prayer, and to actually pray. And we can, you know, we can pray. It's not, you know, sometimes we think as devotees, well, I'm, I'm such a fallen person. I can only repeat the prayers of the great devotees like Prahlad Maharaj. And, and uh, you know, and there's so many beautiful prayers that the previous acharyas have written. And that's true. That's a wonderful thing. But we can also make up our personal prayers to Krishna. As we were hearing, he's our Saka, he's our friend. We have a relationship with him. So, you know, um, we can approach Krishna and uh, enter into a mood of prayer. And prayer, prayer takes some time. It's not just like, you know, a 30-second, okay. You know. I mean, we can do that also. But taking some time to be in the presence of the Lord and uh, uh, ask for his mercy, ask for his guidance, ask for his help, that is um, something that's very helpful in, 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 in guiding us in making um, decisions how to deal with um, in practical ways. Because prayer is entering into Krishna's presence. Hmm? And engaging Krishna with our concerns. There's a reciprocation. Hmm? Uh, so in prayer... We, 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 we should try to set aside other things, both physical and mental, uh, and be present with Krishna. We're going to talk about this over the weekend when we talk about chanting. But that whole point of being really just present with the Lord and not having uh, our mind wander here and there. Okay? The fourth consideration is time. Have I already given Krishna time enough to answer, to work his plan? Now, if the above uh, points all seem to turn into a direction of acting, certainly we should act. And of course, not that, you know, for every little thing in life we have to go through a five-hour process. You know, I'm not suggesting that. But for the big things, 
in life, or even the smaller things we can take. This can all be done in a few minutes. Um, so we, may, we take some action. But even as we're taking action, we try, to, we try to remain dependent on the Lord as we're acting in this world. Okay? So, so it's not that we just get so caught up in the action that all of a sudden now we forget Krishna. But we try to remain dependent as we act. And that doesn't mean we become wimps, right? Arjuna was dependent on Krishna and he was acting so expertly in the world. Last night, uh, we were taking um, uh, dinner with some some of our uh, guests and we were talking about this point. hmm? That a devotee is not a fool and is not a wimp. Just like, oh, you know, trample me, I'm a devotee, it's all God's mercy. Kind of thing. That's not, you know, uh, for example, Srila Prabhupada was uh, extremely wise, even in worldly things. Hmm? He would get so upset sometimes because he, he, the devotees, especially this temple here, when they were building the Bombay temple, and it was mainly Western devotees who were doing it, so he knew they were just getting cheated left and right. Well, you know, that, that the, you know, the cement wasn't of the proper quality and the prices were two or three times what they should be. And he even, he would get, you know, he, he wasn't like he just said, oh, no, it's all, you know, TK, Koi Wagner. You know, he wasn't in that mood at all. He, he said, no, this is Krishna's, you know, we worked hard to get donations for this and we have to make sure that every paisa is spent properly. And he would chastise the devotees, he would chastise the contractors, and he would, you know, set things straight every time he went back to Juhu, right? Or um, <laughs> I was also telling a story about there was um, a person, a, a uh, well-to-do gentleman, in, it was in Bombay also, who wanted to donate some land to ISKCON. And he really wanted to do it. But his, uh, his Kula guru, his, his family uh, guru, was like, you know, was against the idea. And, um, and he had to at least externally respect you know, his family guru, but he really wanted to do it. And he, he indicated this to Srila Prabhupada as well. But at the same time, he didn't, he didn't, you know, it was a difficult situation he was in. So Srila Prabhupada went to this man's house. And, um, or maybe, no, yeah, he went to the man's house. And they had lunch together. And Srila Prabhupada really encouraged his disciples to make sure that that guru was well fed. Right? So they kept, they said, no, no, give him some more stuff. You know, you know, he's like a real, you know, for the Gujarati mother, right? Just, you know, you go like this and they put it underneath your hands and put more on your plate, right? <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> right? There goes the Shri Khan and the, you know, and everything. Right? Um, and then the halava came. He said, no, you know, more halava, more halava. And then Srila Prabhupada started saying, oh, oh. I'm really tired. Is there a place where I can rest? Right? Uh, and then we can talk about this land later. Right? So she, they, they guided Srila Prabhupada to another room. And uh, a few minutes later, Prabhupada got up and he asked his disciples, is the guru sleeping? And they said, yes, he's sound asleep. He said, okay, call the man. Let's sign the papers and finalize everything. <laughs> so... <laughs> Of course, he wouldn't have done it against the man's will, but he, you know, in other words, he, he was, so a devotee is not just, you know, uh, a weakling. They, they know how to deal with this world. They know how, they, they're, they're, 
but they but they have they do it for Krishna instead of just for their own self aggrandizement. Prabhupada wasn't doing it, you know, so that he could say, "Oh, now I you know I have another piece of land." It wasn't like that at all. He wanted to create a place where Krishna could be worshipped. He wasn't doing it at all for himself. So we can act boldly. We can act dynamically. Um, Srila Prabhupada once said that a devotee should be like a lion on the chase and a lamb at home. So when we're with devotees, when we're with our family, loving and kind and everything, but when we're out in the world, we have to deal with the world in a practical way. So we can be like that uh, and uh, remain or be Krishna conscious. So so to kind of as a review, um, we talked about where is our real resting place? Where do we find shelter? Remember we talked about that? Is it in external things or is it in Krishna? How deeply is it within Krishna? And how much do we think that our happiness is based on adjusting the material circumstances? Or how much of it do we understand really it's an internal um, thing? How strong is our faith? How much do we walk through faith and uh, and trust Krishna's guidance. What about timing? We talked a little bit about timing and Krishna having a different watch than we have. And then we talked about these five practical things that we can consider before acting in this world. So, some discussion? Yes, you know, Prabhu. Egg second. Microphone. That's not, it's true, it's not so easy. Sometimes it comes through Krishna's devotees. Right? Sometimes it comes through um, other people. You know, Srila Prabhupada, he, um, he once, you know, he, he was really into, at one time he was making a magazine, right? I got a magazine all the way back in the 40s. And then he just ran into a person who was not a devotee, but just said, Swamiji, People read books. Books have a la- People read a magazine and they throw it out. But a book has a lasting impression. And Prabhupada took that as coming from Krishna. And as we all know, he emphasized so much about writing, publishing, and distributing books. Of course, he also had a magazine, but still there was a much more emphasis uh, on that. So, you know, we, we, um, we can look for signs... And we can also confirm those signs with people who are more spiritually advanced than us. Right? And see if, it's, if, it, if, if that sign it happens to mesh with Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. Right? Like that. Is that okay? Yes, Can I repeat the five things? Who wrote it down? Somebody? You wrote it down? He can repeat it. Uh, consider the motives, then. Consider the motives, uh, the prayer, uh, time, and action. Thank you. Does that answer your question? What else? Yes, Prabhu. And then you're next. 
Sometimes Prabhupada would give the example of our existence as a train on two tracks. Mm-hmm. One wheel on one side, one wheel on the other. One wheel is our material existence, and the other wheel is our eternal relationship with Krishna. Correct. Now, the materialists, gross materialists, don't know the other track exists, so the one track is all they think about. They're on the monorail. If they think that the other track at all is to support this track, oh God, give me this, give me that for my this other track. But the devotee has a nice balance between working on his eternal relationship with Krishna, knowing that's where his happiness is coming from, and tolerating the other one doing his duty, but not looking in that track for the, the happiness that life is really all about. Both tracks are called the Swadharma. And then we have what Srila Prabhupada would translate as a conditional Swadharma and our constitutional Swadharma. So our constitution is that we're the soul, we're not our body, we're eternally related to Krishna. And our uh, condition is, you know, we're a man, we're a woman, we're an IT professional, we're a scholar, we're this, we're that. And they should, uh, the idea is that the hope that they complement, as you're saying, they complement each other. Right? So we do what we like to do, and we offer that as a service to Krishna. Yes. Microphone? Um, my question was for in consideration non devotees okay. of other faiths. Um, there are devotees out there of other faiths. Right, yeah. right. But that may not know about Krishna or okay. what, what um, the faith is about. You know, being approached by them and saying, well, how do you know when I have an answer? Well, it's faith. Is there a discernment between my faith and theirs? If essentially, you know, I guess from a theistic point of view, it's all God is one, mm-hmm. known by different names. My answer, I don't think, is satisfied them. So is that what you say? Um, yeah. So they ask you what? What do they ask you? Just, I guess, um, certain faiths, there's a, a self entitlement of my faith is the correct one. Yes, we, and in sense, yes. we have that too, but I feel like ours is a little less self <laughs> Depends on which Hare Krishna you mean, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's a bias there, but, um, and, and that's my viewpoint up to this point, it's all one, you know. Uh-huh. There's, there generally, you can divide this into uh, this point that you're making into three categories. Inclusivist, exclusivist, and um, what's that word? Pluralists. Okay? So the pluralists are, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you know whatever path you take, it's all, it's all good. Right? It's all kind of everything's. And then inclusivist thinks... Um, I have my path. I accept that other paths are legitimate and, and wonderful for those other people, but uh, I like mine the most, and, and, I, and I probably think mine is, is, is better, but I respect what other people do. Exclusivists say, I'm right, you're going to hell. Sorry. And, you know, we used to uh, run into exclusivists sometimes. I would, uh, 
when you know sometimes i would be on a campus and talking about krishna and someone would say you know and i knew they were really in the exclusivist mode right you know you can tell you know sometimes and they say have you heard of jesus and i said because you know, I didn't know what, you know, I just found that like if any other answer would have just gotten into this whole thing, I said, no, I've been a Hare Krishna my whole life. I've never heard of Jesus. You know, you know I just, and then they kind of walk away in disgust, <laughs> which is basically what I wanted, because I knew they were in that, you know, you, you know if you don't accept, you're going to hell forever kind of thing, um, which, you know, really doesn't make a lot of logical sense. You know, all those people, anyone who doesn't run into a Christian missionary is going to hell forever. I mean, that's kind of... And God's supposed to be all merciful. But anyway, we won't get into that. Um, and, then, you know, I think you could probably run into devotees who are <laughs> fit into all three categories. But I think most devotees fit into the second one. And I think that that's where I fit in personally. Um, that, uh, and Srila Prabhupada many times would be very much in the uh, inclusivist mode. Um, in the early, when he did his early initiations in the 1960s, uh, and he talked about the first offense, the first operat against uh, the holy name, which is to blaspheme devotees. And he specifically said devotees of all faiths. He made it a point to include people of all faiths, that if you, you know, speak ill about people of any faith, it's considered a blaspheming of a, of a devotee and a, an offense against the holy name. But I don't think, I, and I don't even think it's healthy for people to just be pluralists. You know, it's, it's, people should have some, uh, you know, some uh, conviction about what they're doing. Otherwise, they, maybe they shouldn't be doing that, <laughs> right? Um, and I find that when I speak to people of other faiths, I, well, I can have the best kind of discussion when there is that mutual respect, but, you know, the person is holding on a bit to what they think. Otherwise, you know, I, you know, I find that that's often the most fruitful discussion. Um, so, now getting to that, I don't think that fully answered your question, though. But that's it. By the way, this is all um, these three categories is uh, came up with by a professor at Harvard. Her name is Diana Eck, E C K, and she's a she's in charge of something called the Pluralist Project at Harvard, um, and she works with many many faith uh, groups all over the world. And actually, at one point, she was one of the top scholars on the on ISKCON and the Hare Krishna movement in her earlier uh, career. So, now continue. Did, I mean, what else? Did I fully answer your... Okay. But you mentioned the word faith. Faith is considered a very dirty word, right? Because it kind of indicates something non-scientific, right? And scientific... And, and you know, we know that you know, the scientific process has, uh, over the last, hundred, over the last uh, century or two, oh well, since uh, the Enlightenment is uh, so-called, uh, has gained a lot of strength. <laughs> right? But you know, I, we mentioned this uh, the other day. You know, faith, is, it shouldn't be such a dirty word. Blind faith, perhaps. But a devotee's faith is, is, uh, should not be blind. Maybe some of us do have, you know, kind of like just this real kind of sentimental idea. But, you know, where did this world come from? Why don't the planets just kind of bang? You know, the whole intelligent design arguments are, some of them are quite, quite powerful. And we also have our, uh, 
subjective experiences. And we see that those who take more seriously to the process of Krishna consciousness have deeper and stronger subjective experiences of Krishna. Subjective meaning I have the experience, you don't necessarily have the same experience as me. You're not within my psyche and you're not me, so it's, it's different. But it's still very, you know, that's not an invalid thing whatsoever. It's something very valid. So Srila Prabhupada liked to call Krishna consciousness a science, right? Because a science is, what are the three steps to the scientific process? Before observation is hypothesis, then, and then? Conclusion. Okay, right. So the hypothesis is you chant Hare Krishna and you uh, are, become happy and free from materialistic conceptions of life and kinder to other people, etc. You know, different things. So the, the, but the difference is that the experiment is not in a test tube, something out there someplace, but it's on you. And, you know, so, oh, well. That's a little heavier than a you know, test tube I can deal with, you know. But me, you know, chimpanzees, that's fine. But, you know, me, you know, that's a trick, tricky thing. But Srila Prabhupada, you know, he, he made this challenge. He would sometimes say, just chant Hare Krishna for a month and see what it's like. Experiment on yourself. And, we, and he would say, I have the faith that you'll reach that conclusion. And Krishna says that in the 10th verse of the 4th chapter. Does anyone know that verse? I can't remember the Sanskrit. I do remember that it's the 10th verse. He says, many, many people have already traversed this path. Vita raga baya kroda manmaya mam upasrita bahavo ganatapasa puta mad bahavam agataha Being freed from attachment, fear, and anger, being fully absorbed in me, and taking refuge in me, many, many persons in the past have become purified by knowledge of me, and thus they all attain transcendental love for me. So he said, you know, this has worked for a whole bunch of people. So, so it's not just, because, you know, that word faith see, is often, you know, um, juxtaposed with science. And so I, I think Srila Prabhupada wanted to kind of debunk that dichotomy. Okay. Yes. Yes, they're right <laughs> in some ways, but it's not. But if if that's the only thing that's presented, then it is a little pessimistic. But another side of it is vishva purnam sukhayate. What does sukhayate means? Happiness, right? So a devotee vishvam, this world, puna vishva punar everything, right? So when someone sees uh, everything as related to Krishna and, it, and tries to follow some of the things we talked about today, they see you know, everything in a very different light. 
But so both are correct. Uh, it it's well, of course, we know it's a place of happiness and distress, right? There is sukha Krishna says in Gita, sukha dukkha samekritva labdo labdo jayam jaya. Right? He talks about sukha and dukkha. We all have that experience. It's not just everyone's walking around all day, like right, like that. But the all, but the inevitable things. When you think about what has to happen to us, has to happen, then it can get a little pessimistic, right? Because it's not necessarily that you're going to get into Harvard. It's not necessarily that you're going to get you know this great new job. It's not necessarily that you're going to um, marry Aishwarya Roy or you know whatever she's already married now. But you know whatever. Um, but it is necessary that we're going to get old. It has to happen inevitably that we get sick. And ultimately it all ends, this body at least. So that's, you could say that's pessimistic, or you could say that is scientific, or you could say that that's reality. Right? So Krishna does suggest that we keep that bit, those big picture things in our mind. He says, Janma mrityu jiravyadhi Dukkha doshanu darshanam. Darshanam means darshan. Keep you keep in your mind that there are is birth, death, disease, and old age. Now it doesn't mean we have to walk around bummed out all day, thinking, "Oh, geez, you know what a hellish world this is. Oh, this really stinks. I hate this place." No, because especially as devotees, we you know. But it's also not wise to think, "Wow, this just this is just fantastic. It's just wonderful. Everything's just great." You know. And you get sick, and so a devotee has that balance. Hmm? That uh, we we understand the inevitability that we just heard about, and that should make us more serious. But uh, a devotee is 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 is, uh, is happy because they're because it's not based on as we were saying externals. They feel that satisfaction in their heart when they're trying to please the Lord, when they're trying to uh, jiva doya be compassionate to other people. And when they're performing Vaishnava Seva, trying to serve those that are dear to the Lord. And then one feels this incredible satisfaction. Even when they're going through those difficulties. Juva Maharaj, you know, he when he died, he, they said he stepped on the head of death and entered into Vaikuntha. Is that okay? Cool. I have a question is about uh, like we all live in a material life and then you know there's like everyday work and the way you know the world is like now this is a free economy, but it's like the competition is fierce. Yes. And what we do is like watching at the work, or, or just to be you know, remain ahead in the competition. We are not uh, kind of like, the way we work a lot of times is like, we hide information. We present the truth, which is not really a truth, right? <laughs> and, yes. and, and we feel that everybody does that. And almost all the, you know, like, if you are working at such a situation, everybody would be, would be doing it, right? But, and, and that doesn't really result because uh, initially in my career I had a situation where you speak truth what you feel is true and you get into troubles. 
and then because it's okay, you should not, you know, you should take it this way, take it that way, which is not, not being very, you know, like, uh, you pure about your daily life. Right. And on this side, when we uh, think of Krishna consciousness, we are thinking about, like, being very pure, and, uh, like, being uh, nice people, not speaking lies or anything. So, and what I'm getting into feeling is, like, this is, like, a life over duality. So, would you, would you <laughs> explain that? Is it really a life of duality and how do we really, you know, like, uh, make sure that it doesn't affect the whole world because what happened in the material world is that you can get good, good results because of that? <laughs> well, we have to... It's an interesting question. One time Srila Prabhupada said that uh, traditionally in India, Vaishyas wear mustaches so that you can't tell that they're smiling when they say, for you, I make no profit. Because obviously they make profit or else why would they be, uh, <laughs> how could they be in business? <laughs> so, um, first of all, let's, we can talk about logic. I, I teach a seminar on logic. And it's, it's, in, it's, uh, it's a logical fallacy to say everybody is doing it. Because if you say everyone's stealing well, that means you're also stealing, so you're a thief. <laughs> right? There's, there's three fallacies that go along with that. Uh, other, other things are worse. That's another logical fallacy. Well, you know, I just um, take uh, extra printing paper and staplers home, but so-and-so takes the whole printer home, you know? <laughs> right? So then, so the logical, so he's a thief, right? And so you also, or what is that, the, is it a Hindi saying? That, what is it? Chirachor or Kirachor, you know, one who steals cu cucumbers or one who steals diamonds. They're both thieves. You ever heard that? Or is it a Bengali saying, perhaps? Is it Bengali? I don't know. Anyway, but, you know. So that logic is not good logic. So that's the first thing, right? So that means you're also being dishonest. Now, whether you have to be, you know, I'm not going to sit here with the, with the camera on and say, yes, you should lie like, through your teeth. Everyone there on TV land. <laughs> but, you know, as what did Prabhupada say once? If you're dealing with a, uh, a cheater, you have to, or, you know, learn to be shrewd. So we have to be, you know, we have to deal with this world. But we should try to deal with this world as purely as possible. That should be, uh, and, and really think, is this affecting my consciousness? Because the real thing is I'm here to develop my love for Krishna. I have to maintain my family. I have to do my duties properly. I, you know, we can't be out on the street and things like that. So I have to do that. But is there a way that I can make my work as closely as possible congruent with my uh, spiritual aspirations? So that, that should certainly be a, you know, something that we think about, we think about deeply. But Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita also that of cheaters, I'm the, you know, he's the greatest cheater. When Krishna wants to cheat you, watch out. Right? Look at, look at uh, Vamanadev. Right? Vamanadev is just a little, about this tall. And he just told Bali Maharaj, I only need three steps of land, you know. And he gives this whole, uh, as we would say, spiel about how, you know, if you, take, if you take more than you need, it's just being greedy. And he, you know, kind of preaches this absolute philosophy. And Balimara says, okay, you take your three steps. And then all of a sudden, 
right? And in two steps, he takes the whole universe, right? <laughs> so if Krishna wants to, uh, you know, Krishna so many times in so many ways tricked the gopis, right? You know, he, he plays his flute, he attracts all the, the gopis, drop everything to be with him, right? Some of them, you know, some of them aren't even dressed properly, the tops are on the bottoms, bottom of the top, mascaras all over the place. And then they come and they say, Krishna. And he says, my dear ladies, what are you doing here so late at night? Please immediately go home back to your family. You know, what is, this is not proper. <laughs> Krishna, you're very jalu, you know. <clears throat> so I don't know if that, you know, because it's, 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 it's always a very, I can, we can only talk about principles. One principle is it, it's certainly best to try to be in an environment where uh, our work environment is as, you know, we can practice our ethics as close as possible to our spiritual uh, quest. Yet, we also have to, you know, think of things in a practical sense. Like that, is that okay? Okay, so don't, you know, don't blame me if, you know. <laughs> now, for those of you who might consider, if you're not totally bored tonight, uh, tomorrow is going to be a very different different topic. It will be very, very practical. Um, I mean, it's not that it won't be about Krishna. That's not, it will be about Krishna. But, um, you know, I teach uh, university courses on conflict resolution. So we're going to take one semester, put it into uh, two hours, and talk about, um, we, we will talk about it in relationship to Krishna consciousness, um, but talk about how to deal practically with with the uh, conflicts and disagreements that uh, that come up, it's Kali Yuga. That Kali Yuga is an ocean of uh, problems, and people. It's called Kali is often translated as quarrel. So, as people say, you know, what kind of work do you do? I say, I'm in a growth industry. That uh, there's never gonna, you're never going to be out of a job in Kali Yuga working in conflict. But there are ways to transform disagreements and deal with them in such a way that actually relationships improve and, and, uh, we, and things get better. And so we're going to talk about how to take a step back and look at conflict in the right way and uh, deal with it in a practical manner. So that will be from 7 o'clock tomorrow until 9 o'clock. And uh, I do like to start and end on time, so it's 8.59. So we'll end there. And I thank you so much for coming this evening. And uh, um, pleasant journey home. And please accept my obeisances. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.